As we've been thinking and and just uh, just the excitement of where God has brought us as a church. Um, I was thinking back to the point where God had called together a small group of people and kind of infused in them a dream of of doing something different, not better, just something different. Cole, tell us about what y'all were going through as God was beginning that process. Yeah, we, I guess seven years ago, give or take, eight pushing in in some, (laughs) um, we we were basically in a a position in a situation where we looked around and we saw in a town of 10,000 people and we saw in a kind of a population base of of bigger than 10,000 people. If you, if you go to a certain radius outside of Stuttgart, we saw a lot of really good churches. Um, but what we saw were there, there was a, there was a gap in a lot of really good churches. We said, you know, there's a gap. There's a, there's a spot that we think that God is, is calling us to fill. And basically, through the process of, of a lot of prayer and a lot of work, um, over time, that feel, that thing that we felt like God was calling us to feel in Stuttgart and in this area became Stuttgart Harvest Church. Awesome. God planted that dream of reaching people, loving people, helping connect them to the grace of God. He planted that dream in the hearts of a, a, a handful of people. And they were here in Stuttgart. And then across the state was this broken down, rusty, um, (laughs) broke down guy. And it was me. And I was burned out and I was tired and I was in my heart and my mind. I was through. It brought us together in churches and starting churches. And... God kind of brought us together, and I, I was trying to avoid it. I had a friend who was like saying, you know, I've been talking to these folks in Stuttgart, and he said, you just need to talk to them. You don't have to do anything. Just, just meet them and just talk with them. And so he gave me Chris's phone number, and so I said, okay, I, I'll, I'll call him and I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him. And so I talked to Chris on the phone. I had to listen really, really hard because Chris talked very soft on the phone, but he had a lot of good things to say. And we then scheduled a meeting and I, uh, not just with Chris, but with this uh, handful of people and, uh, it was at Chris's house. So, um, I was determined though, because I thought, listen, I just, I just, I don't want to do this. And if God makes me do this, then I just, I don't have the emotional nor emissional. I'm not sure what that would be. I don't have the emotional bandwidth to, (laughs) I don't have the emotional band, emotional bandwidth over Facebook now. Thanks. I don't have the emotional bandwidth to try to turn a group of people into a direction that that's where, you know, God had had me. And, and I thought I, I, I can't do it because they're coming from a traditional background, a traditional area. I was like, I've got to just this say this is who Harley is and do my best to scare them away so that they don't want to work with me at all. And so I show up then at Chris's house. So Chris, tell them about this broke down guy that walked in your door. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's who showed up at Chris's house. And when he says chicken butt hair, it really was. I mean, I, I, I had that hair. It was going like this. And it was no, like, crop top hair cut like Donnie has. It was, <laughs> it was out there. And the shoes, <laughs> yeah, that's about like. So, anyway, I walk in. But I got a little nervous when I walked in because I looked across the room. I knew that I was walking into Chris's house. But across the way was someone that I knew. And I had not yet met him. But uh, turns out it was Ronnie. But I knew he was in Chris's house. But Ronnie had taken his shoes off. He was barefooted in Chris's house. And that was kind of freaking me out. I'd never seen someone go barefooted in someone else's house before. And his feet were propped up on the recliner. He had the <laughs> recliner kicked back and was propped up. And I was like, wow, I'm not sure. I, you were trying to freak us out. And we, in turn... Freaked me out. I was a little freaked out. But as we were talking and visiting, I thought, okay, uh, Mr. Johnny, who was in his mid-70s then, um, Mr. Johnny asked a question during the course of our conversation. He was like, where? Well, Harley, you know, if we did start a church, where would a church like this meet? Where would you meet? And I thought to myself, yes, I've got them now. They're going to be totally freaked out and scared, and they're going to hate me and think that I'm an infidel. And I said, well, Mr. Johnny, the best place to look is somewhere that is not being used on Sundays, um, just a space, just some kind of room of space. And I said, so the first place we should probably look would be to see if we could meet in a local bar, in someone's bar. And he was, and I thought, I've got him now. They're They're gonna be totally afraid to start a church with me. And Mr. Johnny was like, well, you know, we've thought about that. And I was, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to be moving to Stuttgart, (laughs) which we did. And God had just in his providence took a, a handful of people who were infused with a dream that God had placed there of reaching people and helping connect them with God. And he took then and partnered them with a broken down rusty and and tired and worn out church planter and in God's providence he took my brokenness and he took their dream and uh, that God had given them and God began to do something um so you know as uh as Ronnie was evaluating that situation as I was evaluating his feet on the chair. Ronnie was evaluating me as I walked in. Ronnie, what what were your impressions that that evening when that first meeting happened? Yeah. So that's kind of how it all began. And over the course of some months, we met together in small groups and we uh, were talking about the, you know, are we going to actually do this? Um, We met through May as a small group, May and June and July. And when it came time for August, we said, we we have to decide, are are we going to actually start a church? And, um, And together we decided, yep, this is what God was asking us to do. And so from that point, we set a date to do our previews and to launch 
Um, but we didn't have that trailer when we started. Cole, tell them what it was like as we began. Yeah, as we got started, uh, we made the decision in August we were going to go ahead and, and, and move forward on the launch. And so then in November, December, and January, we had preview uh, worship experiences. We would, we would meet here, and we would just have one preview worship experience a month at 10.30. We were meeting at 10.30 at that time. Well, we didn't have the red trailer. We didn't have the two annex uh, rooms that we have now. Basically, what we had were um, were trucks. We had the backs of pickup trucks, and my parents, uh, we had their shop. We pretty much commandeered their shop for about three months or so. And so what we would do on Sunday mornings, we would get up, and we would... Uh, actually probably earlier than we are even now, we would get up and we would go over to the shop. We would get all of the equipment, all of the sound equipment, the audio equipment, the video equipment, everything, which is not a whole lot different than what we have now. We really have used a lot of this same stuff for the last seven or so years. Um, and we would load it up literally in the back of pickup trucks, and we would drive it across town and unload it here, and then we would set everything up, and then we would break it back down at, at 11, 30, 12 o'clock and take it back over to the shop and put it all back in there. And we did that for three months, for the first, for once a month for three months. And I remember thinking, I don't know that we're going to be able to do this. This is incredible, the amount of work this is. And then somebody got the bright idea let's buy a red 20-foot trailer. And I was like, that's a great idea. That is a great idea. And we did that, and it was like going from the pickup trucks to the red trailer was just incredible how much better it made things. And then somebody got the bright idea, let's start renting the annexes. And so we could no longer had to bring all that stuff back and forth in the trailer. We could put it in the annex, and that was just even better. And so we go from the pickup trucks to the red trailer to the annex, and... It's just been a, a building block pro progression where um, every step of the way it's just gotten a little bit better, a little bit easier, and it's allowed us to do our uh, to achieve the vision that we all have, uh, everyone in this room, and has allowed us to achieve that vision even better. And now as we're moving into a permanent facility next Sunday, I'm, I'm interested to see how that's going to change things also. Awesome. Well, I know one thing it will change, more sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be exciting. And along this way, after we were about three years into this journey, um, I ran across, we met, I, I met Donnie. I didn't run across, you You ran across us. Tell us Tell us the story of, of how we got connected. Right, so uh, my family and I, we lived in the Whitehall area. I was pastoring over there. We were originally from Stuttgart. Never had any desire to, to move back to Stuttgart and settled in. Um, we were pretty happy over there, um, but um, I was pastoring at a, a traditional church. Um, they loved Jesus. We loved them. We still have a good relationship with them. But what we were running into, we kept on running into um, barriers or obstacles of getting people that were not connected to Jesus, were not connected to the church anyway, in any way, into the church. Um, and what I found is I just was not able to do a good job of reaching people with the gospel. And it was very frustrating. I was talking to my wife one day and reaching out to different people that, that were in ministry that I respected, and I just kept on receiving the same answer over and over, and I wasn't satisfied with that answer. And I said, you, I told Brooke one day, you, you may think I'm crazy, but um, I'm going to contact this guy about <laughs> doing church differently. <laughs> And she said, and I didn't tell her who it was, and she said, it's Harley, right? I said, yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, so, so I just reached, I didn't know him. I knew a lot of the other people 
here being from the area, we had even went to church with um, some of them in the past. So, but I didn't know Harley, and I reached out to him on Facebook and just like, hey, this is this is what I'm going through. Would you be interested in talking? So we started to meet and talk and um, just kind of work through some of the things that were how God was changing my view of uh, of church and my view of what you can and can't do and um, how to reach people that are far from God. Um, so that, that relationship progressed until I come on staff here. It'll be four years ago in July. Wow. So that's been exciting. Yeah. And so we're thankful that God sent Donnie to be a part of this team and a part to join up with. Why have we done partners and you as our church? Um, and why have we done all of this? Why have we, we even considered starting a church? And the answer is very, very simple for us. It's you. Uh, you, you were the reason we started this for you and, and not just you, but we are part of the you as well. I mean, we are part of you and that's why we started it. We, we knew that there were some folks in our community who had been running from God and running really hard and really far. And we knew some of those folks were beginning to slow down and beginning to wonder, maybe I need to find my way back to God. And that's some of us. And then there were other folks who were actually running to God, trying to anyway, run towards God. And sometimes they just found themselves getting caught up in some tradition that they had trouble getting through. And that's some of us as well. But no matter how we were, whether we were running from God or trying to run to God, it doesn't matter. All of us in this room and those who are part of us on Facebook Live, we understand this one thing that we have in common, and it is simply this, that God met us with his grace. He met us. And instead of punishing us, Instead of rubbing our noses in the mess of our life, God met us with his grace, his amazing grace. And he welcomed us with open arms and he invited us into his home. And that's the God that we serve. He welcomed us. And for many of us, that all happened right here in this silly old movie theater. That's pretty amazing. People said, you can't do church in a movie theater. And sometimes we said something back, but many times we didn't. And we just thought inside of our heads, oh yeah, we can. You just sit back and watch. And that's what we did. And here we are. We're still here today. For this one last Sunday here in this movie theater where hundreds of lives have come in and hundreds of lives have changed and are changing still. And each one of us this morning, even if this is your first time here, each one of us are part of that. 
think with me for a moment. How has God changed you or how is God in the process of changing you? And I don't ask that question from the standpoint of trying to induce guilt because I say this with lots of hope knowing that God is in the process of changing you as he is me. So I ask that with excitement as I say, how are you different because God urged you to walk through the doors of this movie theater where the church called Stuttgart Harvest meets. How is God changing you? Let's, let's pray. God, as we continue this worship experience, we just ask that you would take our brokenness, that you would take our lives, some lives that have run from you very hard, very fast. Some lives that have been searching for you and have just had trouble getting through some of the tradition. God, we pray that you would take these lives, our lives, broken lives, and you would do what only you can do, and that is to bring amazing change from the inside out. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Uh, the past couple of weeks, I've introduced you to some friends of mine that I actually created, and their names are, don't laugh at them, Mr. and Mrs. Flat, and there they are. Um, these are my friends. I created them, I drew them, but they are stuck in that two-dimensional flat world. I, I can be closer to them than they can ever be closer to each other. They can't move from that position, but I, I can actually, I could touch both of them if I wanted to. I could touch them. I, I can be in front of them. I can be behind them and they wouldn't even see me because they're in that stuck in that position. I could be beside them. I could be anywhere, but I have many more dimensions than they have. They're stuck there in that little flat world. And even if I wanted to, to kind of enter into their world, if I wanted to take my finger and place it into that two-dimensional world, if I did that, my finger would be the first thing to break that plane. And they wouldn't see my hand like this or my finger like this. And as the way I see it, they would just see simply a little oval right there appear before them. That's what they would see if I were to enter their world. And I think to myself, how would if I, if I'm their creator, I drew them, if I wanted to communicate with them, if I wanted them to know me, the, really the best way is not to bring them into my world at this point, but for me, maybe to enter into their world. For me to leave these three or four dimensions that I have the luxury of living in and to place myself in a limited two-dimensional world with a limited two-dimensional body and enter into their world, then they might be able to know me a bit more. But they wouldn't really understand all about me because that's in this other three, four-dimensional world that I live in. And then... What might be really amazing is then if I left them, left for them, my story, the story of me. Now, in this sense, that is exactly what God did for us. He left the amazement of heaven 
the dimensions, many dimensions we have no idea of if he left all of that behind and put on the limited flesh and blood of our three, four dimensional world and came here. He left that and came here to live among us. He did that for us. And God himself is the one who actually gave us this story his story, the story of his redemption. So he gave us that story, told us it was going to happen, and then he shows up here in his in flesh and blood like we have, in this limited flesh and blood, an unlimited God limiting himself like that and coming here, and then he left, but he also left us his story of redemption. That's a pretty amazing God that we have. And you know, we will never understand God. We don't have the capacity in these, this dimensional world that we live in. We don't have the capacity to understand an unlimited God. We just don't. We never will understand him, but we can still know him. We can know him. This series, you know, we, we have said this, how, how much sense does it make for us to say, God, thank you, thank you for, for coming here, and, and thank you for providing us this message that you've given us, this story of redemption that we have in your word. Thank you for preserving that, for inspiring that, for writing that down. Thank you for giving us that. But God, listen, I'm just not a reader. I mean, I'm just not a reader, God. Thanks for doing it, but I'm just not a reader. One thing I know is that we read, even if we're not a reader, we read what is important to us. And so for us to look at God and say, God, thank you for doing what you did. I I'm grateful for that, but hey, God, I just don't like to read. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, God, but no thanks. I mean, thanks for writing it down. Thanks for preserving it. Thanks for sending us this message. But God, listen, you're going to have to communicate with me another way because I don't like to read. How much sense does that make? We say to ourselves, I would never say that to God. I wouldn't say that to God. But yet we do say that to God. Many of us say that to God every single day. Maybe not with our words, but we say that with our actions every single day. And this series has unapologetically been about trying to encourage you to create a habit of daily reading God's message, God's words to you. And this morning we're going to pick up this encouragement in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 35, and we're going to read a few verses there, then we're going to jump into another passage and read a few more. But here's the thing. We're looking at the life of Jesus this morning, just a couple of different snapshots of Jesus. And today I want to, to be very, very practical. So we're going to ask some questions that I'm going to ask you to answer. I'm going to present them here, and then at the very end this morning, I am going to ask you to answer those questions between you and God and just, I'm praying that you will have an answer for those questions today, for you, between you and God. So let's take a look at the life of Jesus. In this moment, this snapshot of Jesus, it's in Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 35. 
It says before daybreak the next morning. I'm just going to pause there because here's our first question coming up. Our first question is this. Will you pick a specific time? Will you pick a specific time to meet with God in his word? This is a snapshot of Jesus. It says before daybreak, which means before the sun even came up, Jesus went out. He had a very specific time. Now, often Jesus, when we find this in the New Testament, Jesus did this early in the morning, but I'm not even suggesting that that's the time you need to pick. I'm just simply saying, will you pick a very specific time where you say this time, and it's not for the rest of your life. I'm just asking you for the next seven days. Will you pick a specific time to say this time belongs to God and me, and I'm going to get in his word this specific time every day this week. Will you pick the flesh of man to be here among so crazy because this is Jesus who is God who put on the flesh of man to be here among us. Now, Jesus picked a specific time to go and have a conversation, a time alone with God. My mind, it can't understand that. And if you pretend that you really understand how that all works, I'm just going to say, you, you don't know, because we will never understand God in these limited bodies and minds that we have in this three-dimensional, four-dimensional world that we live in. We won't understand, but we can still know him. And that's what this is all about. So before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. So this is Jesus, God himself, talking to God, spending time with God. God spending time with God. This is, I, I don't understand it. But here's what I want you to get out of this phrase. He went to a very specific place a place he chose, an isolated place. And my encouragement is this. Here's the next question. Will you pick for the next seven days a specific place? We want you to have a specific time and a specific place. And I'm even going to throw this in. Will you also have a specific plan? You're saying, Harley, Harley, I, I, I don't know. Which, I don't have a plan. I don't understand how to do what you're saying you want us to do. And let me tell you, I'm going to give you some ideas, a place where you can find some plans that you could use. We're not giving you a plan today. I'm going to give you that on Facebook this week. But will you pick a time Will you pick a place? Here we find Jesus at a very specific time, a very specific place. And it goes on in verse 36. It says, later, Simon and the others, they went out to find him. And when they found him, verse 37, when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. They said, Jesus, where have you been? We've been looking for you everywhere. We, we couldn't find you. Everyone is looking for you. Now, this wasn't the first time that everyone had been looking for Jesus. There's this other time, and I'm sure it happened many times, but one specifically that I want to show you is this other time when Jesus was much younger. This was 20-something years earlier in the life of Jesus. Let's take a look at this little snapshot of Jesus when everyone was looking for him. It's Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 41. It says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. So they traveled um, from where they lived to the city of Jerusalem. Verse 42. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. 
After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. So everything was done. They went and they did the Passover celebration. And, and this the whole town, basically, where Jesus lived, which a lot of that was also family members. So there were some friends and family members. They traveled there together to Jerusalem, and now they were all leaving together. It said, so... Um, let's see, but when, uh, let's see, when he was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual, verse 43, after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. So it says, if you were visiting Little Rock with your whole town, and then you all leave, but your child, your 12-year-old child stays behind in Little Rock, that's what's going on here. His parents didn't miss him at first. Way to go parents. Way to go. You left Jesus. Not just any child. You left Jesus. It gets exciting here. They left him at first. They didn't notice it, verse 44, but they assumed he was among the other travelers. They thought he was with Mimaw and Peepaw. But when they went to Mimaw and Peepaw to say, hey, where's Jesus? He wasn't there. But when they didn't show up at the evening, so they sit down, it's evening time. They have traveled for a whole day away from Jerusalem. And now they start gathering up in their little family clusters. And they are probably getting ready to eat. They're getting ready to go to bed. They're traveling. Mary's like, Joseph, where's Jesus? Where is Jesus? And Joseph is like, I thought he was with you. I, I, I thought he was with Mimaw. I thought he was with Peepaw. I, th I thought he was traveling together and no idea where he is. And so they start looking throughout the whole community who's traveling together and they can't find him. But when, they, when he didn't show up that evening, here's what Mark writes. They started looking for him among their relatives and their friends. Verse 45, when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. So it's as if you travel a day back to Jerusalem, to in this maybe to Little Rock, and you're looking for your child, your 12-year-old child in Little Rock. It's like, last time I saw him, we were at the mall, or we were at Chuck E. Cheese's, and I, I thought he was with the family, but he's not. Verse 46, three days later, can you imagine... I bet Mary, I bet Mary and Joseph were going crazy over this, trying to find Jesus. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers. So Jesus is sitting there with these religious leaders, these educated, knowledgeable, well-respected teachers and leaders. Jesus, 12 years old, sitting among them. And here's what it says. Listening to them and asking questions. Now to us, that sounds like, wow, Jesus is taking the opportunity to really learn, to ask them questions and to get answers and to, to, to listen to them. And that's not what's happening at all. In our culture, that's what it sounds like. That's not what's happening. In the Jewish culture, the leader, the rabbi, the most respected person in that area, in that room, in that setting, that 
person was the one who was leading the conversation and they led the conversation. They would listen to what the people were saying and they would ask questions and the questions were guiding and leading the conversation. The rabbis did not answer the questions. The rabbis asked the questions. The leaders were asking and guiding this conversation and the pupil learned by trying to answer these questions, trying to... Jesus is not learning from these people at 12 years old. He's sitting among them, teaching them, leading them by asking the questions. That's what was going on. This is amazing. Jesus at 12 years old already had mastered God's word. Well, it's obvious to us, Jesus is God. But Jesus had to grow, and he still had to... So here, here's what's going on. So it says he was listening to them and asking questions. Verse 47, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Jesus was leading the leaders... Jesus was teaching the teachers. And here's, here's my side note here. This is back to our encouragement about reading God's Word. When you are sitting at the feet of Jesus by reading God's Word, that's how we sit at the feet of Jesus right now in our lives here on earth at this time, by reading God's words. When you are at the feet of Jesus and you are being amazed by God's understanding and His words, I'm going to encourage you to take notes. So the first thing we're asking is this. Will you pick a specific time? Will you pick a specific place? Will you pick a plan? We're going to help you with that later. And will you take notes on what God tells your heart as you read his words? And I, it doesn't matter. You can write it in the margins of your Bible. Listen, that book, that paper is not holy. In fact, what you're reading is a translation of the original language. So that book itself is not, you can take notes in that book if you want, in that Bible if you want. But even if you don't take notes there, take notes in a notebook, on, on some paper, somehow take notes. If it is important enough to sit at the feet of Jesus by getting into his word, then we're saying you should write something down, what he tells your heart as you are reading his word. And we are seven times more likely to remember something when we write it down. So we don't have a verse to give you that says, take notes. We're just simply encouraging you. As you sit at the feet of Jesus by reading his word, write down what he tells you in, as you read, what, how he impresses your heart. Write that down. And then we're also saying this, if it is important enough to sit down and allow God's words to teach you, to grow you, to change you, then it's probably also there's some things in there really that should be, maybe will be important enough that you want to remember them word for word. And so we're going to encourage you as you read God's word, as you sit at the feet of Jesus and some passage, some verse uh, that you read that day moves you, inspires, memorize that verse. We're going to challenge you to memorize 
that verse. Memorize that verse. As we said in the first week, the poet said, I have hid your word, God. I hid your word in my heart. And then he answers the question of, well, why would you hide it in your heart? And he says, I've hidden your word in your heart. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. There's something powerful about having God's word hidden, memorized inside of your heart, inside of your life, that it helps guide you and keep you on that path. So that's our encouragement so far. First of all, pick a time, pick a place, pick a plan, take some notes and memorize a passage. When God encourages you or inspires you, maybe that's one you need to memorize. It goes on, verse 48. His parents didn't know what to think. So when they walk up on Jesus, who is leading the leaders and teaching the teachers, they didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, I I imagine she was just beside herself with anxiety and relief, maybe, maybe crying tears of relief. I don't know. Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. We, they, they looked everywhere for days. They've been searching for Jesus. Verse 49. Why did you need to search? So Jesus gets real, real calm with them here. Why, why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? And the Bible says in verse 50, but they didn't understand what he meant. They just kind of chalked it up. Oh, there's another one of those things that Jesus said that we don't understand. I want to tell you, there will be things in God's word that you don't understand. There will be things that you might read now that you won't understand until years from now. But don't stop being at the feet of Jesus inside of God's word. Verse 51, it says, Then he returned to Nazareth Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. I love this phrase. And and his mother stored all these things in her heart. We could talk for days on that. Someday we might do a whole series just on that. Verse 52, but listen to this phrase. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, and favor with God and all the people. This is so important. Do not miss this. This is Jesus who was teaching the teachers and leading the leaders, and this is what it says. Jesus grew. Don't miss that. Jesus, who left the amazement of heaven to come to this limited physical world that he created, Jesus grew. Do you realize that Jesus grew? Jesus studied God's word. And by the way, Jesus inspired God's word. (laughs) Jesus preserved God's word. Jesus had it written down. But yet he studied God's word. Jesus grew. Jesus studied. He learned the scripture, his scripture. And he learned it. In this story, Jesus' parents came looking for him. Because they couldn't find him. Turns out Jesus wasn't lost at all. They were kind of lost. They went looking for him. In the previous story, Jesus, as a grown man with his disciples, 
they went looking for him. In fact, they said, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. No one could find you. Where have you been? We've all been looking for you. And here's my question for you as we end this morning. Have you been looking for Jesus? Have you been looking for Jesus? And more specifically, have you been looking for Jesus in the place where Jesus really gave us the place where we could find him in his word, in the scriptures he has preserved for us. Have you been looking for Jesus in his word? You know, the Bible tells us in the book of John that the word, God's word, became flesh and it lived here among us. Have you been looking for Jesus in his word? Or perhaps have you just been looking for God in your own ideas or looking for God in your own thoughts or looking for God in your own conversations with other people? Have, have you just been talking about Jesus and not really looking for him in the one place that he gave us where we know we can find him there? We can know him there. So as the band is making their way to the front, I just simply ask these questions again. And I pray that this is what you will answer today. Maybe even right now, write it down on the back of your worship guide. The answer to these questions, here is our next step. I hope you will take with us today. For this week, my time is, and will you fill in the blank? What time, what specific time will you meet with God each day? Will you isolate your my place is and will you fill in the blank? Where will you isolate yourself where you can spend that amount of time, however long it is, however short, however long, doesn't matter. Will you pick a place? My time is, my place is, my plan is. Don't don't get too anxious there. I'm gonna put some stuff on Facebook that will help you with a plan. And then will you do this? As you spend that time with God in his word, will you take some notes? Write down how God impresses you, moves you, inspires you, encourages you. Will you write that down? Will you take some notes? And then will you, over the course of this week, choose one verse or one passage and memorize that? Will you join us on this journey of getting to know Jesus? Let's pray. God, thank you so very much. Thank you so very much that you did not just place us here and tell us to wander around and figure our way through this life. But God, you came here and put on the flesh of man. And you came here to die for us so that we could have a clear path, the only path to God, and that's through you. And then God, you preserved your words you left them here for us. Not so that we can understand you, for our minds will never understand you, but God, you preserved your words so that we can know you. And God, may you reward our efforts in proportion to the time that we invest in your word this week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.